We love you. And um, let us just stop and just feel the magnitude of what those words just said. What Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, you made a way. You came near. You entered in. You didn't stay afar. Keep your distance. Be unattached. Stay clean. You got into the mess. Into our mess. Into our need to restore. So let us marvel. Let us be full of joy and hope and purpose. So Lord, now just incline our hearts to yours. I pray that as as we come to, to your word, as we come to, to this proclamation of hope, or that it wouldn't be just something that hits our ears, but it would hit our hearts, our minds, and transform us, and Lord, have an impact in us and in the world around us through our lives, God. So Lord, we love you, we praise you, God, for who you are, for what you've done in Christ, in his name, amen. So we are in the Advent season. And Advent is that, that word coming, it's this expectation of, of the Messiah come. Uh, so far, we've looked at uh, two weeks, we've, we started with this sense of anticipation, and we, we identified with the people of Israel awaiting the Messiah, this promised Messiah that they waited and waited, waited for. They were the people of promise, and yet they waited, and they were waiting for their deliverer, and then, and then their deliverer went silent for 400 years, and, and then he came, and then we thought about how we wait as well. But we wait differently because they waited with an, like with a far off hope. And just think about every generation that came and every generation that went, how much farther away that hope seemed. But we wait with, a, with an assured hope because Christ has come and he's coming again. And then that led us to this, to this sense of repentance. And then we focused on repentance and how, and really the sense of that is not just this, I'm sorry, God, but it's the reality of, of being faced with what has been accomplished for you in Christ, that you are free, that you are reconciled, that you are made new. And it's this idea that it is unfathomable to live in any other way other than one that shows that Christ has set you free that he has made you new, and then we call to each other to take off the old self, to take off the confines of the world and to put on Christ. And this week we come to proclamation. That's what we're focusing on this week, as we already heard from the Lachanskys. It's just fun to say, three months, right? Three months strong. But that's what we're looking at. We're looking at proclamation today, and repentance leads us there as we're filled with joy when we experience the freedom of knowing Christ. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke 2. We're going to kind of jump around through some passages today. Um, so if you want to try to keep up and turn with me, you can. We'll also have passages on the screen. Um, there's a Bible under a chair neath, uh, near you if you need one. And if you don't have a Bible, please take that with you. That's our gift to you. We also use the YouVersion Bible app. You can go to the More tab, click events. will pop up and all of these passages some of these passages were there as well, as well as some questions to help you study and reflect further uh, throughout the week, as well as some other helpful information and a giving link if you would like to give. All right, being that was already mentioned. So, um, so we'll start in Luke 2, but we're going to hit some other verses as well. Um, actually, let's just go ahead and read Luke 2, 8 through 11. And this, this comes to the scene of the shepherds 
in the field watching their flock at night, not expecting anything. Nothing special in the air, just chilling, making sure their sheep are, are good, sheep are sheep, you know, just making sure they're staying, doing what sheep do, not straying off, just sleeping. And all of a sudden, this happens. It says this, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So he says, we bring you good news of great joy. A Savior is born. But we think about this sense of proclamation. And the first thing we need to see is that first there is something you need to hear. This, you need to hear this good news. What did this Savior do? What did, it, what did this Savior, what did Jesus come to save you from? What did Jesus come to accomplish? Jesus came to do one thing. He came to reconnect you with God so that you could know God. God came to re- Jesus came to restore relationship. The salvation that we need, the salvation that he brings is one that results in us being made worthy to be once again in relationship with God. So the first thing you need to hear, the first proclamation you need to hear is that you can know God. You can know your creator. I mean, like, have you seen the Western? He's like, are you ready to meet your creator? Like, you can know your creator and you don't have to get shot by a cowboy to know him. Like, you can know him. That's what this first proclamation is. You can know God. And like, just let that sink in. And we're going to take a few moments just to let it sink in today. But like, you can know God. You can know your creator. You can know the, the, the infinite one. You can know the one who is all love, all mercy, all just, all good. You can know him. So that's the proclamation. That's what you must hear is you can know God. Let's just kind of unpack it for a minute, for a moment. Why did God create us? Why did God create Adam and Eve? I mean, he wasn't bored, right? He did it with purpose. He did it, he did it so that he could have a so that we could have relationship. Look at the picture. They walked together. They had fellowship. There was perfect unity in his holiness and the perfection of creation. He created, he created us for relationship. They walked in the garden together. They related. They shared space. Like, this is crazy. But that was the intention. He intended, and through that relationship, through us being his image bearers and and going throughout all the earth, that his glory would be spread over all the earth in relationship. That's beautiful. It's amazing. It's astounding. If your heart doesn't skip a beat, let's just dig a little deeper and say, Lord, help me understand. Let me help me see like why this is such a big deal. We can know God. Of course, maybe you know, maybe you don't. We fell. We sinned against God. We denied that relationship. We decided there was something greater, something, something that we thought we could make better. And we denied that, and that relationship was broken. 
And instantly, at the same moment that judgment was spoken in Genesis 3, we also see that the, that the trajectory of restoration began. As he, said, as he said, I will send one to crush his head. So we see this promise of Jesus, this promise of restoration right away. What was God working to restore? It's restoring to his creation. And what is a big part of that? Well, the first clue to help us get there is that God didn't just right away set out to write it all off or just to punish forever. I mean, that would have made sense. So there's your first clue. He didn't do that. No, he set out to restore. Restore what? To restore our purpose in relationship. We see this proclamation in John, John 17, 3. It says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, our anticipation is relationally driven. As we kind of follow this trajectory of our few weeks, the great anticipation is that we could be reconciled and united once again with our Creator God, our Heavenly Father. What greater thing is there to anticipate than that? You know, interestingly, something that came to mind, you can be the judge whether this connects or not. I think it does. This is not spur of the moment. I actually thought of this ahead of time, which is weird. Um, But have you ever met someone famous? Um, I have. I have not typically been a starstruck person. I don't get enamored over celebrities. Um, moment of honesty, though, transparency. There is one I was enamored with, um, Shania Twain, 1995. <laughs> I, I, I went so far as to write her an email. <laughs> and I, I, 100% sincerity, I believed that if we met, she, she would not be able to resist. We would fall in love. We would get married. I, I, and I wrote her an email telling her that. I, I didn't hear back from her. She married her manager. And, and, and as, while my heart was broken, I also thought, well, there, are, there is hope for ordinary guys. Like, it could happen. See, I wasn't that far off. So, but besides that, I haven't really been a star-struck person, but, but I have met some famous people in my life, and, and it's always been awkward. Like, you guys know me. I'm a bit of an awkward person, sometimes by choice, sometimes by just whatever it is that's in me. Like, I can't help it. Um, and, and, and although I'm not starstruck, there is a level of respect for something. And my examples here are all athletes, besides Shania Twain. I'm sure she was good at sports, too, though. Um, but, I, 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 like, I had a chance to meet Mickey Mantle. And, and, and I'm sitting there in line in my, in my chance to meet Mickey Mantle, and, and, I'm, and I'm playing through how it's going to go. And I'm a, I'm a teenager. And when it comes to my time, I'm so, like, kind of trying to be cool that I end up going around the wrong side of the table, and I end up, like, startling Mickey Mantle by just showing up on his ghost side. Like, he's expecting me on this side, and I'm on this side, and my arm's around him. And so we get this really great picture of me being happy and him kind of being smiled with big eyes, you know, like, uh. And so that was kind of awkward. Um, I, I'm, I was um, with the Boston Red Sox one time as, with their chaplain, and we, we had taken them to see Passion of the Christ, and I'm standing outside to be available to talk to any of them, and they're all walking out, you know, and it's like Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, I think, and, and I'm standing there with my arms crossed like this, 
and Noma, Nomar Garcia Parra walks out. And, and I'm not even a big Boston Red Sox fan. I don't care about Nomar Garcia Parra. But for whatever reason, when he walked out, like I had an involuntary arm spasm. And I did this right here and like pointed at him. And, I, and he didn't talk to me. Um, he might have had some big, you know, eternal question to ask. I was not the guy. Um, I was flying one time and I'm getting my ice cream. And I see this guy walk by. I said, he looks familiar. And I, and I walk and we end up in the same line. I was flying to Kansas City. And I'm like, I think this is Marty Schottenheimer, and he used to be the coach of the Chiefs. And, and I'm like, I, th I think he is. And I look, and I'm kind of, it's like he's got on red, so that maybe that's it. His colors are red and yellow. And then I look at his bag, and there's a Kansas City Chiefs logo, and I was like, this is Marty Schottenheimer. And so I was like, oh. do I say something? Oh, yeah, I say something. I was like, hey, uh, are, are you Marty Schottenheimer? He's like, yeah. And then I was done. I didn't have anything else. <laughs> and so I literally said, Want some ice cream? <laughs> he said, no. He said, all right, have a good flight. So, <laughs> what's my point? <laughs> what's my point? <laughs> Let's see if I can get there. Uh, we, we, all, we all have those. We can identify with those we, we, we respect greatly for some way, shape, or form. Um, even if you don't really know, you do. You just kind of have this sense that they've accomplished something you haven't, that they've done something you haven't done, that they're capable of something you're not, or just something. And, and, and in those moments, you're thoughtful, you're purposeful, you're self-aware, <laughs> when faced with the opportunity to meet them. You see, now let's see if this actually connects. This is the glorious work of anticipation. Like the God, the infinite God, the loving God has made a way for you to know him. Like in a very intimate way. More, and, and, and like, you know, we, we get it. Like we get that there is this, there's this weight to relationship. Like that I had this moment to be able to meet someone that I had only heard of and seen their accomplishments. And all of a sudden I've got this chance to know them. Like, we get that there's a weight to actually knowing somebody, that there's something different to actually having an intimate connection and not just a knowledge of. And that's the reality of what is at work here. That's the proclamation is that you can know God. There's this relationship offered. God is obviously, hopefully obviously, infinitely greater than any person we could ever encounter on this earth. And he, he has made a way for us to know him. Like, if we think about in the terms of our world, anyone of great stature, the most typical picture is like, we've got to work hard. We've got to measure up. We've got to put ourselves in the right place at the right time, doing the right things, to be noticed, to be worthy of a meetup, whatever. That's a lot more typical. God, the infinite God, has made a way for us to know him. So that's the proclamation we must hear. And just thinking about one last thing before we move on from that, repentance, not only anticipation is relational, repentance is relational too. What do we repent of? We repent, first off, that we have denied the person of God. We've denied that he is God, that he is your heavenly father by deciding that there is one greater or probably more likely that in some way, shape, or form that you know better. You've placed yourself as God. You've denied who he is. So relational, again, you've denied the personhood of God. You've also denied who you are, 
how he created you, what he created you for. I mean, how hard is it to be in a relationship if you don't understand your place and your purpose in the relationship? It's not a, it's not a good relationship. You've also denied your purpose in that relationship. So we repent of these things. We confess them as an offense against the person of God, and we turn from them and turn to him. So it is in knowing God that our kingdom identity is restored, that, that meaning and that which he created us for as people apart, as his people, is restored in his kingdom promise is made known to the world. So you hear this proclamation. You hear it. You can know God, and your relationship has a purpose. Just as much as you have something to hear, you have something to say. So in this proclamation, you have something to hear. In this proclamation, you have something to say. Acts 3, 24 through 26. We're going to look at that really quickly. Um, and you can just follow along or, or listen. Um, says this, and all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons and daughters of the Iadid and daughters, it's the same, sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And so let's just go back and hear that. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And that's a, that's a reference to Genesis 12.3. That's the covenant promise to Abraham. Our being blessed. And what is this blessing? Is this blessing of, again, being a covenant people of God. It's relational. That covenant is relational. Our being blessed has always been meant to be a blessing, a blessing for all of creation, for the entire world. It's not just ours to keep for ourselves and just to kind of to hold. Yes, it's comforting. Yes, it's wonderful. But it's not just yours to keep right here. You have been blessed. You have been able to, be, to know God so that you can make him known. Greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Know God and make him known. And to know him is to love him. All that we have experienced as God is meant to carry forward. As we are forgiven, we forgive. As we have been shown mercy, we show mercy. As we have been loved, we love. As we have come to recognize the reality of Christ, we make that a reality to others by putting him on, as we talked about last week. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. As we live through him, our lives proclaim. They proclaim the reality that unto us a Savior has been born. So how do we proclaim we proclaim with our words. We think of that, right? That sound is, it is an actual proclamation, so we proclaim with our words. We also proclaim with our lives as we show with our priorities, our choices, our values, our priorities. So we proclaim. It's a, it's a holistic proclamation. So some examples, right? When you love a difficult coworker, neighbor, or family member, when you love them in spite of that difficulty, when you love them in spite of it, being not, of it not being reciprocated, when you love them in spite of it being re returned with, with hate, 
when you love in the midst, you proclaim that we can know God and that they can too. You proclaim the work of Christ because that is the way that he loved us without promise of return, giving all of himself. When you give sacrificially of your time, your abilities, your financial resources in a way that, that says, all this is not mine, it is the Lord's open hands, here you go, my life is not my own. When you show that there is another value other than what this world defines. When you live and work with integrity at your own expense of advancement or acceptance. When you're faithful to your spouse and celebrate marriage as a gift. When you celebrate your singleness and enjoy your completeness in Christ. When you give a reason for hope and peace that you have when someone asks. And it doesn't get asked in those terms all the time. Hey, why do you have hope and peace? You know, it's, why are you not freaked out right now? Everyone's losing their job. Or, like, man, how can you, how can you say that, that, you're, 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 that you love your husband when he is absent-minded, when he's absent in person, when he's, when he's destructive with his words, when he's not building you up. I mean, like, we can go on and on. Like, in what ways do we have a chance to proclaim every day? You get asked all the time. That's the way we proclaim. And this is why, by the way, we care about orthodoxy, which is right truth, and orthopraxy, which is right living. Because it is in those, those pursuits that the glory of God is revealed. It is in those pursuits that the worth of God is shown. It is in those pursuits that the reality of an authority outside of ourselves exists and is good. We can't, it is a dangerous thing to think that we have the corner on truth and we get to decide what is true for us. And the world wants, the, the voices around us want to claim that today. And I don't think it's new. It feels heavier, it feels more prevalent, but I don't think it's new. But everyone wants to be able to say, well, this is right for me, maybe not for you, or this is right for you, not for me. This, is, this can be truth here, but not there. Like, that's a terrifying, difficult world to navigate. I don't know about you, but I know my intellect stop somewhere here my wisdom way short my abilities if I were I just don't want that I love that I can rest in authority outside of myself that's why we care about orthodoxy and orthopraxy right truth the pursuit of the truth given to us in his word and that our lives would line up because not not just behaviorally but also the, the simple fact that we're called to follow Christ salvation is is, is belief as well as a direction of life, the trajectory of salvation, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago. I mean, when was the last time, coming back, that you thought deeply about how astounding it is that you can know God? Same question. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay titled The Seeing Eye. In it, he, he, he wrote this. It says, he, says uh, he was describing this concept, and he says, if there is a God who created us, we could not discover him by going up into the air, by going into space. God would not relate to human beings the way a person on the second floor relates to a person on the first floor. 
He would, really, he would relate to us more in this way, the way that Shakespeare relates to Hamlet. You see, Shakespeare is the writer, the creator of Hamlet's world, and even Hamlet himself. Hamlet can know only about Shakespeare what the author reveals about himself in the play. Hamlet can only know about Shakespeare the information that he writes in himself. So too, the only way that we can know about God is if God has revealed himself in our story. How much more significant is the claim of Christmas that in Christ, God has not just let us know about him just in written word, but he's also in sending a person, sending himself, sending his son, taking on flesh. He's made it to where we can know him. He wrote himself into our story, into our drama, so that we can know him. That speaks to his desire. That speaks to his character. It speaks to his purpose that he wants the world to know him. He wants to be glorified through us in that relationship. He came into our world as Jesus Christ to save, to die for us so that we can know him. So proclamation, there's something you need to hear. You need to hear the hope of Christ. You need to hear that God loves you and that he wants you to know him. He has done the work. He has made a way for you to know him. And there's something you need to say. So we proclaim and we hear there is a creator. He is holy. He's just. He's loving. He's merciful. You can know him. He is worth knowing. He doesn't make you perform in order to earn your place. He did the work in sending his son, incarnating, coming in, taking on flesh, sending his son in, in, in that great sacrifice of himself. There's a blessing for you. In your blessing, we are a blessing to the world. You can know him and make him known. Let me pray. God, what an astounding truth. Lord, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you for a chance to come together and to learn, God, to hear but I pray that it would not just stop at taking in information and just knowing about you, God, knowing about a subject, but, Lord, that it would result in, um, in our need colliding with the satisfaction of that need in Christ. Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, you entered in. You took on our wrath. You gave us your righteousness in Christ. So, Lord, let us walk with a peace. Let us live with peace and confidence and courage, Lord, that we know you, we're known by you, and, Lord, you love us and you see us, Lord, as your son and daughter. God, let us have an urgency, a conviction that holds us, Lord, that it just is natural to want others to know the freedom and the hope that we know in Christ. 
Lord, let us see with eyes that see and ears that hear. Lord, always, but especially in this season where, where people are more sensitive and, and kind of, you know, rhythms are different. I pray, Lord, or that we would, um, that our, our lives would be used by you, Lord, to, to bring others to you in Christ. That our life is yours. We thank you for the hope. We pray all this in Jesus' name.